So this is what we did so far. These two verses are, yeah, they're hard to get through. There's so much there. I hope you were encouraged as we went through those. Those are not what we're going to do today. Uh, but these are, are some of the most powerful verses in the whole Bible. Really, these two verses. And help us to live for Christ. We have the, the uh, contest and the coach. And we have the contest at the, for verse 1, the coach, verse 2. And now we're going to go to, let me see if I get this. This play, oh, yeah, look at this. Hmm. All right, so let's take the, uh, the next couple verses, verse 3 and 4. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Hebrews chapter 12, I know you where you're at. Lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Now, God doesn't say that unless it's possible. You got that. Um, God doesn't warn us about things that are not going to happen. Make sense to you? We're warned a lot of, a lot of things we're warned about in the Bible. And so anytime you're warned about something, you think, oh, this could happen. The Bible says over and over again, do not be deceived. That means you can deceive yourself. You can actually deceive yourself. The worst person possible that I could think of to deceive would be yourself. But the Bible says you can literally deceive yourself. You know this. People can justify doing almost anything. If they think long enough and hard enough about it, uh, they will justify their behavior. The Bible says twice in Proverbs, every man's right in his own eyes. That's what they call catch-22, a, a loop. You're right in your own eyes, and you keep going around the same loop. So how do you get out of that loop? How do you get out of that syndrome? It's the Bible. The Bible is, uh, doesn't really care about your feelings too much. The Bible is not a touchy-feely uh, uh, PC culture book. It just tells you the way it is. Think about it. Think about it. The Bible applies to the Chinese and their culture. The Bible applies to America and its culture. The Bible applies to Africa and its culture. The Bible applies to New Brunswick and its culture. The Bible is not culturally sensitive. It is the truth given to us by God, a need-to-know truth that you uh, can spiritually mature and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so it is. Uh, it may appear even harsh sometimes uh, to, to some folks, especially to maybe people under 30, seem to be awful sensitive about having their feelings hurt and about being told something they don't want to hear. And I don't know, it's because maybe like Rome, we have, we have been so prosperous that they've been ruined almost because of the lack of resistance. How do you, how do you build muscle? Pain. In other words, resistance. The more resistance you have, the bigger your muscle gets. The less resistance you have, the less you get feeble, weak. And that's kind of what's been happening with the prosperity. We've had so much prosperity in the last 50, since World War II. Uh, that, that we have really grown weak. That World War II generation was not a weak generation. They'd been through the Depression. They knew what it was to fight and cross, you know, claw and, and suffer without. Uh, and so when they came into World War II, it wasn't that big of a bump. The fact that they would have uh, rations, 
stamps for gas and ration for nylons girls. You, could, you couldn't just go out and buy nylons. You had to ration them. You had to be careful about it. So imagine trying to go through that same scenario with this group. And I'm in this group. You know, I'm in this group. Even though I'm a child of a World War II folks, which a Marine also, and a boxer, which, be, which helped me a lot. For consider means to put your mind on it. Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. For ye have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Uh, let me give you a paraphrase of this. Jesus suffered for sinners totally, unjustly, undeservingly, and harshly. More than you have, more than I have. So decide not to feel sorry for yourself and take it like a man. And that goes to you girls. Take it like a man. You know what I mean? Gut up, shut up, and keep going. Oh, those are good words. That's what my mother used to tell me regularly. We'd want to cry. She says, son, shut up, shut up, and keep going. Get out. She wouldn't run over there and oh, baby, you, you got a little, you got. You're not doing anybody any good with that. You're not doing anybody any good with that. Now, I'm not talking about being mean to people. But come on, in life, you got to get up. When you got to do stuff you don't want to do. Pretty regular, like this morning. I didn't want to brush my teeth. I really didn't. I get so sick of brushing my teeth, I just want to just puke. I'd almost get them all pulled. If they weren't fused, I'd get them all pulled and get false teeth and put them in a bowl at night, clean them up, put them in, put them in my mouth in the morning. Glory to God. Hallelujah. No more stuff dribbles out on you. Oh, here's a good one. Bing, bing, bing. You throw the stuff on the mirror. The mirror looks like it's got pimples. I wear glasses. So I can't floss without my glasses because I, I like to see what I'm doing. But the problem with flossing with your glasses is it flips up on your glasses. And that stuff's sticky. Plaque, plaque is like glue. Plaque is bacteria, and, and bacteria is like glue, man. It grabs all, and it sticks on your glasses. And you can't get it off hardly. you got to wash them. Oh. Shut up, gut up, and keep brushing your teeth. Because it's the right thing to do. Why do you do what you do? It's the right thing to do. Why do you go to church? It's the right thing to do. It's not the most comfortable thing to do. It's not the most convenient thing to do. It just pleases God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. I just accept for what it says and go on. Amen. That's what he says here. Hey, consider, consider him that consider Jesus who went ahead of you and went through what he went through, and quit quit crying because you haven't gone through what Jesus went through. Amen. I would say that. Now, the fireman broke his foot here for three for three months. He's got to be subject to his wife. See what I mean? 
And uh, see what I mean? So lucky, she said. So, I mean, but, you know, you can say, oh, God's mistreating me. Broke my foot. I got three months. I can't walk. Thank God it ain't a year. Thank God it ain't permanent. Amen, amen. Now he can walk, though. A man's walking and talking. Vertical. Oh. Um, Isaiah 40, verse 30, Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with the wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Been a long time since you ran, isn't it? Bobby? Been a long time since you ran. Been a long time since you heard well, too, amen? But heaven is coming. Not far off. Endure hardness. Because pretty soon you're going to be able to hear again. You'll be able to hear a pin drop in a windstorm, brother. You'll be able to hear like she hears. I've lost quite a bit of my hearing, and I'm happy about it. The world's becoming quieter. My truck runs so quiet. I can't even believe they make a truck that quiet. And, and I just I don't hear what people say, which probably is not a bad thing all the time. And... I get to have everybody repeat everything. In verse Galatians 6, 9, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we, if we what? If, if, if we faint not. That means it's possible to quit before the finish line. Now you, you old people in this room, <coughs> you, which is a majority, you know of people that profess Christ Ran a good race. Something happened. It's a whole plethora of possibilities. And they stumbled. And they failed. And they got out of the race. And they have not ended well. My own brother Jim's one of them. My own brother. Jim and I are best buddies, friends, fish together, everything. My brother stumbled and has fallen. And has not ended well. And is not doing well. It can happen. So I shake myself and say, hey, if it happened to these guys, it could happen to me because I'm no better than they are by the grace of God. So if it happened to them, it can happen to me. Our brother Steve does RU. RU is, is for people who have addiction troubles. Let me tell you, anybody's potentially susceptible to addiction. You say, I'm not addicted. Well, quit eating that ice cream, see what happens. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. My outward man is perishing. How about you? Your hair used to be black, dark, black. Was that years ago? Your black, black hair? God gives you gray hair to give you a heads up. Why do you think God gives gray hair? Do you ever wonder, ever, ever wonder about stuff like that? Do you folks ever think about anything? I mean, I know you do. But you ever wonder, why do people get gray hair? 
Because God's telling you the end is coming. Why do you lose hair? What's the point of losing hair? God's telling you, your hair gets thin, you begin to lose it. Since, since Brother Chris Barrows has worked here, you ought to go back and look at a picture when he first started working here. He had a lot more hair. Now you look at him now, man, he's, he's lost a lot. His hair is thinned out, and it's going back. And let me tell you, one, Chris has one thing he don't want to be, is bald. And I'm getting tickled because God's going to make that boy bald. And I'm thinking, and what's wrong with that, Tom? Is there anything wrong? Nothing wrong with that. Look at Tom, how well he's done. I think you got advantage. CW, Tom and them, they don't have to comb their hair. They don't have to get a haircut, hardly. And uh, stuff like that. In memory of Thomas, okay. Second Corinthians four one. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, we have received mercy. As we as we have received mercy, we faint not. So, in proportion to the mercy you've received, you don't faint. Oh, brother, that's big. Now that's this. How much mercy have you received? So we don't faint. So why don't I give up? Why don't I quit? Because I've received so much mercy. I just received so much mercy. I can't quit. You can't stop. God can stop you at any time, no problem. And you'll know when to stop. And you'll know when it's over. So what was the disciples' key? Or what is the disciples' key attribute? They don't quit. you got to shoot them to stop them. Every one of the apostles except one was martyred. That's how he had to be stopped. Um, and let's, let's look at uh, verse uh, 5. For ye have forgotten, that's that one right there, ye have forgotten that the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children, my son despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. That means you can faint. See, you get it where he says he's warning people. Look, people quit. People get discouraged. People fall out. People, evidently, what happens to us is we get a misunderstanding of who God is. We get a misunderstanding of the way he should treat us. And we get a misunderstanding. We get all these false expectations of God. And then when think about it. When those false expectations, which are not real, fail, we get all we go get bummed out. We get disappointed in God. God's not, you've not dealt with me a good hand, you Las Vegas folks. He's not, you know, he's not, he's not, things haven't come up well for me. And, and, we get the poochy lip, you know. But bigger than the poochy lip, we quit. And we don't represent the things of God well. And so, man, he says here, don't do that. Now, this next section is so powerful, maybe one of the most powerful sections of, of the entire New Testament about God's treatment of us. Man, I can't tell you how big this chapter is. Uh, it's so big. Verses 6 through 11, the concept of trouble in a Christian's life and why it comes, and from whom it comes, and for what purpose it comes. Thank you, Kathy. Appreciate that. I get caught up. 
I got a low battery uh, sign. I've got 10%. I'm ready to go bye-bye. Okay. Let's read it. Verse, uh, let's see. Let's read verse 5. I read that already in our faint. We've forgotten. So, next page. You lose your job. Your health crashes. Something happens. Something horrific happens as far as you're concerned. Where's it coming from? I'm talking to born-again believers. This is talking to born-again believers, right? Look at verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son he receiveth. Uh, chastening is God's working in our lives. It's supervised discipline. That's what chastening is. In the next few verses, which talk so hard about this thing, he does not mention Satan. I want you to remember that because that's big. Satan's not mentioned. We want to say, oh, Satan, he's whooping on me. Is he? Well, you don't think so. <clears throat> God don't whip the neighbor's kids. He only whips his kids. Why do the wicked prosper? Because he don't whip the neighbor's kids. Who are the neighbor's kids? John 8, 44, year of your father, the devil, the lust your father you will do, you know. And so we know there's only two group, there's only two powers in, in where we're at now. We got good and evil, light and darkness, God and the devil. And so you have children of the devil, and you have children of God. What do we do? You must be born again. That means you're born from this the devil to God. And so if you aren't born to God, you're not going to go with God when you die. It makes sense. You're born from above. You're born of God. You now are a child, not of disobedience, as it says in Ephesians. Now you're a child of God. And now I got a new supervisor. And nobody touches me without God. Job, you know. Does it give you some comfort that nothing's going to come your way without God's permission? Well, it may not give you much comfort, but if you understand this, you're going to understand in the big picture, God is making a mature, spiritually mature person. And in the making of a spiritually mature person, it takes pain. It takes testing. Your faith is never going to grow until you're put in a precarious environment, a precarious situation where you got to have faith, where you got no place else to go but faith. Uh, Millie. I felt bad when I heard Millie going through all that, went through a normal surgery, turned into be a horror story. She still got stuff going on. And I got thinking, I got to tell me, my wife and I was talking. We talk about you, Millie. I said, man, God's really doing something, Millie. He's really spending some time with Millie. You know, it's nice when your mom and when your dad gives you attention. Your parents, my parent is, is both God. Mom, he's my mom and dad. And so he's giving you attention. I said, boy, Millie's really growing. Wow, she's growing through this thing. 
That's not the same Millie as before the problem. God uses it. Uh, the word chastening uh, means to instruct or to learn or to teach. The word scourgeth, verse 6, uh, that is a strong word. It means to flog. You familiar with the word flog? I, I followed a guy one day, and, and you know I like to look at bumper stickers, so he had a bumper sticker on the back of his vehicle. And he was one of the, he was obviously it was a business vehicle and had a bumper sticker and said, have you flogged your crew today? A Christian could put a bumper sticker on their car that could say, have you been flogged by God lately? Because you will be. You got a little flogging, didn't you? How many here have been flogged by God? Glory to God. Hallelujah. If you haven't, you will be. Don't fear it. Don't fear it. You know, nobody loves pain. I don't want pain. I don't, oh, but it's going to come. And when it comes, you accept. That's what this is for. This is so you won't faint. This is so you don't quit. This is so you don't get disillusioned with God. Because the devil's going to come by your house when bad things come, when scourging comes. When chastening comes, and it will come, um, it, just a few more verses down, has to come. And the devil's going to say, all the things you've heard before, God's not treating me right. I've been good. I've been nice. I've given candy to people. I have helped old ladies across streets. I have written thank you cards. I have done, I have gone, I haven't missed a Sunday in 23 years. I, that's the devil. That's the devil. The Holy Spirit's going to be saying, this is for your good. You ready for this? Embrace it. Wrap your arms around it. And say it's mine. From God. And I'm going to squeeze out of it every drop. Every drop of learning, every drop of maturity, I'm going to squeeze out of it. Dale is going through it. Dale is, being, is in a moment of, of, of God helping him, maturing him. And, and Roxy, oh, Roxy, didn't know she was even getting in it, but she got in it full blast. Yeah, that's what's happening right here. It says, for if you endure chastening, verse 7, if you endure chastening, God deals you with with sons. And what son is whom the Father chasteneth not? The answer to that is none. Right? God does not take his time to chasten just anybody. He only takes his time to chasten his children. And he does not chasten the neighbor kids. Verse 8. But if we... If, but if ye, I should say, be without chastisement, you all love the King James Bible? Say amen. You better love the King James Bible. So don't you complain about the vocab here. You know what I like about the King James? is body. And that's a 16th century word. It's a body book. It's a book that doesn't spare, but it tells a raw, unadulterated truth about life. Yeah, 
It does. But if you are without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. Now, my mom would get on me if I'd have said that word, called my brother that specifically. Uh, I, what's that simply mean is a uh, out of wedlock child, a whore's child, a prostitute's child, no father, no certain father. Used to, by the way, be a shame. Used to be a shame. You can tell by the way this is used. This used to be a real shame. Today it's almost a bragging rights. And he says here, you are not a legitimate child of God if you don't have this process going on or going to go on. It either has, it is, or it will. That's where it's at, right? Verse 8, so it says that, verse uh, 9, furthermore, verse 9, furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, which gave them, this is the illustration, in which we gave them reverence. Yeah, I bet we sure did. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? Listen. I had a dad who was an authoritarian dad. He was a Marine. He was a boxer. He was a tough guy. But he had a very calm spirit. He did not get angry easily. He did not get angry easily. And as kids, we all learned not to get him angry because he was a slow burn, but when he caught on fire, whoa, you were going to get it. I mean, it was, was, ooh, doggies, bad things happen to you. And so we we were we we kind of unless you know I thought some of my brothers were kind of stupid because they they would provoke him to that and he'd get upset. And so uh, if I was concerned about my my earthly father and giving him reverence, and I was, how much more I give my heavenly father reverence when he gives, when he, look at verse 10, for they verily in a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he, that is God for our prophet, that he might be, well, we might be partakers of his, okay, this is, this is what, this is what the whole thing's going on. Be partakers of what? His holiness. There it is. And no chastening for the present seems to be joyous. I call this a dove verse. Of course, it's not joyous, not fun, but I love this word grievous. It's grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yield a peaceful fruit of righteousness unto them that are exercised by it. So, what the, what's the purpose of the whole thing? Is to mature us as children of God Almighty. And in the midst of a good flogging, nobody is praising God and singing songs of Zion and laughing. That's what it's saying. Uh, They're hoping it gets over soon. They're crying that God would help them and bring it to an end. They're in pain. But what it's doing, whether you like it or understand it, is bringing forth the peaceable fruit of righteousness in our lives. I have had lots of different troubles in my life. I've had physical troubles. I took radiation when I was 28, had cancer. That started the whole thing. From that point, it's been all kinds of things that have happened. Most of you know what they are. I've used them. I've tried to use my pain. What God has been doing for me 
He's been putting me to school in areas that I never would be able to learn any other way. Yeah. I can have empathy now with Misty. Where's Misty at? I can have empathy with Misty. I went to school. I was ahead of you a little bit. And I'm older than she is by a lot. I got to go to school. So when she would come around, I could help her and encourage her that God will come. He'll come and help you. He'll intervene. It's not hopeless. It's, there is an end. There's light at the end of the tunnel. It's going to be okay. Just hang in there by the grace of God. Squeal and keep moving. I've been in fetal positions before, thinking that death would be so much better than life, asking God, help me, help me. You're not, you're not joyous. And, oh, hey, praise the Lord. It's not the 700 Club. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm, not, I'm for praising God, all, but you really praise God when you're feeling better. You're, you're praising God when it's over. You're praising God when you're on the other side of it. But this chastening period. Now, folks, do not be surprised when this happens, and don't be discouraged. Now, you say, Brother Bill, what if I do fail? Well, I've, I've failed. I've gotten, I've gotten I mean, I, I, for a short period of time, I've gotten a bad attitude. I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that. But then you repent of that. You say, God, forgive me. That, that, Bible says if you confess your sins, faithful, just forgive your sin, cleanse you from unrighteousness. That's what you do. Okay, I didn't do well in that, but I, I do want to thank you for it. I see, the, I see the wisdom of it now, and help me. Amen? I told you about Nikki, my niece, who had a, has an autistic child. That will rock your world. That child will outlive her. That's the wild part about it. And it completely changes your world. And if she's the one that gave me the sermon, embrace it. Because I said, how do, you, how do you make it, Nick? And she said, I just had to come to God and just embrace it. That I had an autistic child for the rest of my life. Most of my life. And she said, I embraced it and I moved on. And she says, that's the way I deal with it. I just embraced it. And I thought, boy, i got to preach on that because that is just like the best wisdom I've heard in a long, long time. Here I'm being taught by this, I'm being taught by this 40-year-old woman. Why? Because she had been to school. I hadn't been to. And she was more mature than me. And she is more mature than I am in that area. And she's learned from God. Woo! I said, man, tell everybody you know. Help everybody you know, Nikki, on that whole deal. Well, that's all I, gotta, I can do this morning. Father, thank you for the few minutes we have together. Thank you, for, uh, thank you for the time of Christmas that we can remember the birth of Christ. Thank you for coming. Thank you for seeking us out. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.